0: My manager says, she reckons, all comedians, I don't know if she says all male comedians, she, she has a theory, she's like, all dude comedians, That she, or a lot of them, they have some daddy issues somewhere in them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that makes, oh, damn it, me too, like.
1: <laughs> it gets better, cause it has to get better. My name is Sophie Hagen. I am a stand-up comedian, and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast, or in short, MOPAD. It is a podcast in which I try to figure out life. Um, I mean, by t- talking to some pretty cool people, I-, I try to speak to a wide range of people about their life experiences in order to learn, engage, and yeah, feel less alone. This week, I am speaking to Nasim Hussein. He's uh, an Australian comedian, and uh, we met up in in Edinburgh. And I love Nasim. I love him. I love him. Uh, I was meant to get him on the podcast like a year ago, and it just never happened. But now we were both at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and he agreed to talk to me. And I am uh, very happy about that. I will let you listen to our chat just a bit. It's a good one. He has some, he has some stories. I mean, I know all my guests do, but he was just so entertaining. Anyways. First, uh, I just need to tell you that I am going on tour with my, and it's almost, guys, it's half sold out. Like, I've sold 50% of all the tickets. It's a 33-day tour. It's, it's pretty wild. Anyways, so I'll let you know which ones are sold out, but I'm going on tour with my brand new show, Dead Baby Frog. It's a stand-up comedy show about emotional abuse. Trigger warning. Uh, starting in October, I will be in, and I'm sorry for mispronouncing these, Pizza Brah. Winchester which is sold out, Liverpool, Ferrum, Coventry, Swindon, Leeds which is sold out, Nottingham, Whitehaven, Glasgow sold out, Aberdeen, Norwich, Kendal, Milton Keynes sold out, Bath, Aldershot, Maidenhead, Newcastle, Newport, Leicester sold out, Aberystwyth Bristol sold out, Manchester sold out, Oxford, Bromsgrove, Stockton, Cambridge, Colchester, New Milton, Reading, Hull, Northampton, and Canterbury. And then I will go to Denmark, where I will be in Copenhagen, Aarhus, Oldborg, Esbjerg, Odense, where the shows will all be in English, by the way. And my whole tour is anxiety safe. It has gender-neutral toilets and disabled access all around. Um, To find out what all those things mean, go to sophiehagen.com, and that's also where you get tickets and also it's where you can sign up for my newsletter through which you will find out when and where I'm doing my London shows <sighs> on my website <laughs> yes I did mean to sigh was just, it wasn't a sigh it was me remembering to breathe um, you can buy my show on my website sovegan.com forward slash shop that's my last show my my show from last year called shimmer shatter which is about being an introvert and being a bit of a weirdo and you can buy the show there for five pounds or more if you want. And it's filmed at the Phoenix Access Club in front of an audience that is made entirely out of Mopart listeners. So that is very lovely. But before I let you listen to this episode, we shall do this week's act of disobedience. This week's listener is called Morgan, and this is what they wrote. I'm currently in a long-distance relationship with my future German wife, We're getting married on the 30th of September 2017 and moving in together next year when they finish their education. Being queer, we unfortunately have had our share of hate crimes directed at us. One time when my future wife greeted me at the train station after a three-hour train ride, yet another man thought we were only there for his entertainment. While we hugged and kissed, he began circling us and repeatedly telling us to continue. First we tried to ignore him, but then my future wife had enough. She yelled the equivalent of you cunt in German while running towards him, fist ready to punch him. He literally barely missed the punch and ran about 50 meters away. He sat down on the ground and looked a bit scared and surprised uh, of us not taking his shit. We walked away hand in hand, yelling once more at him in German, something like we're not here for your entertainment. P.S. I know that one should put personal safety first, and taking the high road might be a better alternative in most cases. But sometimes you just had enough, and that day I'm glad my future wife showed disobedience and almost punched someone who deserved it. Yes. I mean, personal safety, yeah, sure, but sometimes you gotta punch a guy. I mean, I don't, I mean there's no... I don't care. Like, I'm not gonna promote the high road. You, you're all adults. You know what you need to do, like... Of course personal safety matters, but I mean I I'm sad he missed the punch, let me just be honest with you. Um Also, how do you say you cunt in German? I feel like we all need to know that. Um also just pre- imagine how cool you cunt sounds in German. Dein Kusser or something like that. I was just, you can't guess the language, I just realized, but I just did. So I love these acts of disobedience. You're also fucking cool. And you can submit your own acts of disobedience on Made of Podcast.com or Mopad.com, M O M O H P O D. Where you can also buy a Mopad t shirt, just saying. Now, please enjoy this episode with the incredible Naseem Hussain. We're finally doing this. I know. I feel like the first time we discussed doing this was in an airport.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: I was don't... that in... That was in Mon- Montreal. Montreal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Did oh, yeah, we did discuss it there.
1: Yeah. And we also
0: discussed taking melatonin. Did... <laughs> did we? Did you give me or did I give you melatonin pills? I remember there was an exchange of pills.
1: I don't think I know what it is.
0: It's like the sleeping, the natural sleeping thing that you can't... You can, all, you can get it over the counter in Canada. Oh. But you can't get it anywhere else in the world without a prescription.
1: It must have been you. Can... I think
0: it must have been me. I bought a whole bunch, a, a lot of those pills.
1: Did I take that? You don't know that. I can't remember. We never saw each other again. No,
0: we didn't. (laughs) Until your Facebook message, which is you've got a pseudonym.
1: I do. Yeah. 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 Do you? uh, Yeah, I changed my name so that people because you're real famous and stuff. Because I'm real famous. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For those for the people who might not know you, uh, who can you explain a bit? Um,
0: Uh Oh yeah, Uh, my name's Nazim Hussain. I'm a comedian uh, from Australia. 32, 31 on Wikipedia, don't know who did that, <laughs> I'm not going to change it, um, what else, uh, born in Australia, uh, parents from Sri Lanka, um, 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 live in Melbourne, you know, just a, just an all-round fun guy.
1: <laughs> all-round fun guy. Good. All-round fun guy,
0: that's what people describe, you know, who's the-, giving, oh, the all-round fun guy, yep.
1: Giving people sleeping pills <laughs> in airports, just the kind of stuff <laughs> you'll yeah. do.
0: I know, yeah, you have to really trust me to be able to take a pill, uh, maybe that's why you didn't take the pills.
1: Well, Imagine well, if well, you're like they be? some
0: guy just like offered me, hey, do you want to take <laughs> some sleeping pills?
1: <laughs> Wink. I oh, know. No, I must have because that must have been on the way back. From, yeah, we, so we, we went to Montreal. Montreal like what? So I'm making
0: doing deals and stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> two, years, Industry two years ago. Two years no, ago.
0: No, no, last year.
1: Was it last year? Yeah, last year. It was last, last year. year. Oh, gosh, yeah, year
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, have been sleeping Montreal. ever
1: since for some reason. <laughs> yeah, how was uh, how did you find Montreal?
0: Uh, very, it was an intense experience. You know, like here at the Edinburgh Fringe, which is where we're doing this. Like, it's all very, all very lots of artists. It's, it's, it's kind of like it's all about the performers and the and the fun of it. Whereas Montreal just felt like it was very much about the deals and the business, mm. and you know, like the performers were second. It's mm. almost like the managers and agents and reps. They were all they were the most important people everywhere, and they were. Yeah. It's just all—it's just, all a lot about show and bravado. Yeah, but, you know, see how it's done.
1: But that's not really—is that what is kind of the same in Australia because Australia seemed
0: mm. like
1: even less than the Edinburgh Fringe. It's Australia, when I was in Melbourne, yeah. it felt more just way more about. Oh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: like Edinburgh here, there's like thousands of shows. Melbourne, there's like hundreds of shows, but still, it's it's lots of fun. The festival's yeah. heaps of fun, you know. Um,
1: Am I right to assume that it's a bit more? There's a lot of there seems to be so much focus on political stance mm. in Australia in, within the Australian comedy circuit.
0: Am I wrong? I don't know. Oh, there's a big mix. We've got a you know got a good mix of comedians, but I think right now in Australia there's a lot of stuff politically that uh, that that obviously needs to be spoken, about and people can't help but talk about it. Mm. So right now, I think we're seeing like more political comedy than there has been in a long time, and I think Australian comedy. Hasn't naturally been defined by it. hasn't not It's not. You wouldn't think of Australian comedy. Oh, that's a very political scene. Mm-hmm. We look at America. it's more of an art of protest over there. Whereas now, you know, it's it's becoming a little bit more mainstream. That sort of just, you know style of comedy. And what about, of sh- so, you know.
1: what about you? So, like, how does that fit in with your comedy? And
0: yeah. your- oh, I do it, You know, like um, my comedy's a bit, a uh, bit of a, bit of a mix. You know, just, just some silly stuff, storytelling. But there's also yeah, and, uh, lots of political stuff in there as well. Kind of, kind of, can't help but do that. You know, every time I write a your show, I'm like, imagine if I could just not write about anything to do with politics, but you sort of have to. I'm a brown Muslim guy living in Australia. Uh, I don't know if you know much about Australia, but if you, you know, it's it, it you you can't but want to yell about a lot of things. Mm. You know, like the culture is normatively white, the politicians. Kind of like, uh, you know, they, they sort of do pander to the hysterical right more and more. And I think, uh, you know, yeah, it's not like we're progressing as a society in lots of ways. I think in lots of ways we're regressing. So it's it's just, yeah, it's just a frustrating place to be. But at the same time, yeah, comedy therefore becomes more relevant in that in that regard. I think people just, you know, like just like what we're saying, people people, t- people turn on s- satirical news shows to, to kind of get some real news more and more than listening to like, uh, whatever else that's offering commentary, so hey, yeah. I don't know if that, I don't know how it, that's just a weird long sentence, but
1: no, 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 no. it's important because I don't think well, I don't know how many people know about the like how Australia's yeah, is yeah. at the moment. I don't think I would know unless well, I knew you. Well, you get knew this, Australians. So,
0: we've got, I mean, you guys have got you, sorry, you where where I am from some, Denmark, but you live here, in I the live UK? in London, yeah, right, yeah. right. So, I mean, this is in the UK, you know, the Labour Party now, anyway, you got Jeremy Corbyn, like, that's kind of like a, a very real progressive ish movement. Um, in Australia, both the Labor and the Liberal Party, so the Conservative and the and the, the, the progressive parties, are, are very kind of you know they're very conservative considerably. We've got a politician in Australia called Pauline Hanson, who has a party called One Nation. Four of you know four members of that party are in the Senate. Donald Trump distanced himself from that party and said their rhetoric is harmful for social progress. Um, and ten percent of Australians prefer her as Prime Minister. She. Uh, you know, she's against immigration. She's against Muslims. Um, you know, multiculturalism, homosexual. You know, like gay, same-sex marriage. Uh, she, uh, but you know, she's got she's increasingly relevant. She's she's uh, she's got a larger and larger platform to speak from. More and more television shows bring her on. So so it's you know it's 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 when people from the UK or Australia or even New Zealand or Canada come to Australia, they feel as if they've gone back in time. I feel like they've just gone in a time machine and just gone to a place where they're still discussing whether blackface is racist or whether, you know, I'm just reading an article on the way in about some politician saying homosexuals have stolen the word gay. Now they want to steal the word marriage. He's a, yeah, it's just like, uh, he just comfortably is able to... Say, so it's, just, it's a very weird place. It's a very weird place yeah. to live. Yeah.
1: Did you you grew up there, like you're fully...
0: Yeah, yeah. So I grew up there. I grew up in Melbourne. Um, went to a local primary school. Uh, then um, local high school. Then I went to... A, so yeah, I grew up in a place called... Burwood, which is um, yeah, just a nice kind of kind of boring suburb in, in the east. Very nice, um, you know. Uh, yeah, went to the local primary school. Single mum for most of my life. Um, two sisters, and uh, you know, studied a lot. <laughs> did a bit of sport. Um, did Scouts. Did you guys do Scouts?
1: I did. I was yeah. Some I don't know if it's Cubs anyways, or no brownies. Um, did you guys do brownies. Oh, then my whip, is that, it was called. K F U M or something I don't know. Go everywhere. No, no, K F U M or something. K F U F. It was yeah. it's a whole other thing in Denmark. It's oh, right, a, right, right. basically we learned how to make our own knives out of wood and how to tie rope and stuff. Oh, that's, we, we yeah, that's... long bicycle rides. Is that the same? <laughs> That's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> lots
0: of not tying. And <laughs> lots
1: of not tying. I was pretty good at that. We had to salute the flag. Oh yeah, we, yeah. We learned how did to you do that. it. Do you
0: have like a hand, thing like this? Like oh a, yeah, which one? How did you put your hands up. Which one did we three have? Three fingers. That's the same thing. It might be three. Three maybe fingers.
1: Because they were different groups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you boys and girls, or were you mixed? Uh,
0: we became mixed. Yeah, we were mixed. Yeah, the whole time. But then there's a girls-only group. So there's Cubs, which is the young ones, and then Scouts, and then Venturers, which is when you're a bit older. But then there's brownies and then girl guides. So my sisters did brownies and girl guides. That's just for girls, and then you know all the other stuff for the for mixed. But yeah, we used to go on all the, I used to go on all the camps all the time. Though so I didn't get to really participate in a lot. My mum used to come to the she used to come when she dropped me off and she'd say to the camp leader, "Listen, my son can't swim. Okay, so make sure he doesn't swim. Okay." And then they were like, "Okay," and he can't do this and he can't do this. She was real worried about me. <laughs> And then she used to tell me before I used to even go get in the car and go to the scalp. She used to say, "Listen, if someone tries to touch your bum, don't let them touch your bum." Okay? she giving give me those warnings every single time because that's
1: sound advice. Isn't I it? know. I mean, it is
0: good advice. But I just thought that was normal back. I mean, it is. I mean, in hindsight, it's probably good advice. But, but, <laughs> but
1: also maybe no one was gonna. I know. Maybe it wasn't
0: a real risk. <laughs> But there was some stuff like that that made news. But anyway, it was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Because she was a single mother. Was she overprotective? Oh yeah, it was mum and a dad.
0: You know, mum and a dad in one. She's a gangster. She's very. She's a very strong-willed individual. You know, I guess uh, yeah, that's why I get my. I get if I've got any fire, it's from her. Um, now she, um, you know, uh, yeah, just imagine... Like she, she didn't know any. This is the thing. She's an amazing woman. She came to Australia. You know. Knew a bit of it, you know, knew English, but didn't really know much about. She never left Sri Lanka. She was you know, this is this is a kind of. She used to walk down the street and she see the no standing any time signs for where cars go, and she just thought she wasn't allowed. So she used to walk back and forth, you know. And but you know, in the seventies in Australia, oh man, there was no there was no brown people, you know, not very many at all. She was the first. Her and my husband, sorry, her and her husband my dad, my mum and my dad were the first Sri Lankan Muslims in Australia at all. And so they sort of started this big community now, like they started this organization. Um, but it was a very, uh, very different time. So she, you know, she put up with all sorts of racism, you know, um, endured a divorce, then raised it single-handedly. And, you know, uh, if people were, were mean to us as kids. She used to deal with it firsthand. I remember like, you know, I talk about my stand-up, but uh, one time when she suspected I was bullied, I told her at home. The next day, bullying stopped happening. Didn't know what it happened for a week. It was just the opposite. They were being really nice. School finished one day. I was walking to the school gate on the way home and my mum's standing there with a bunch of known bullies from the year level above me. She basically bribed them to keep the other group of bullies off my back. Like she's a, she's a gangster like that. Um, one time the, uh, my older sister, she had um, she, she, was, she was getting teased by this kid this kind of like kid who they were from a wealthy family and his parents used to play tennis with the principal and her husband they used to play they used to hang out all the time so my mom went and told the principal about how this kid was being racist and bullying her and the principal said oh mrs just i think you're just exaggerating what's going on you're overstating the issue don't worry about it just tell it, or, you know just shrug it off she, you know she'll she should get over it soon. And, you know, she she should sort it out amongst themselves. They should sort it out. Anyway, my mum was like, okay, that's that's your response. All right, fine. So she went to the local MP's office, who at the time was the premier of the state of Victoria, so like the governor or whatever. And she uh, went into the office and the um, the receptionist was like, um, sorry, can I help you? And my mom just <laughs> said, where's Jeff? And she goes, yeah, so you need to make an appointment. She just walked straight past her, went into the premier's office, spoke to the premier, Forty-five minutes later, my mum and the Premier of Victoria walked into the, prime, uh, to the principal's office and the principal was like, um, oh, Jeff, Jeff. And the principal said, just do whatever this woman says. And so, so they stopped the bullying. Like, so she takes matters into her own hands.
1: That's so fucking cool. She's,
0: like, she's a proper, you know, she's a gangster. She's very, very nice, you know. Very, um, but, you know, at the same time, she knows how to look after her, her flock.
1: How do you think that, in terms of your kind of relationship with authority, <laughs> because like my, my mom is also single, single mother, and always was, and I re- remember her dealing with the teachers mm. in sort of the, not to the same extent, but mm. al- almost with a kind of a disdain, mm. like she knew she was better than them in some kind of like. I remember yeah, when yeah. I was like thirteen, I had this best friend, which you do when you're a, a child, and uh, and one day my teacher called my mom and said to her i think sophie's gay and i thought you should know that because i think she's in love with sarah so you should know why did that. the teacher no fucking no <laughs> oh fucking my God. so my mom just and i rem- remember hearing my mom just be like like, just scream at my teacher. Just go, if, even if that was true, how fucking dare you yeah, tell yeah, me yeah. if that was true? As some sort of awful. warning. Yeah, exactly. That is of Sophie to tell me if that is true. How dare you <laughs> God. tell me? How dare you take that away from her if that's true? Bloody and she, hell. And I, but I remember the feeling of, oh, oh yeah, she's going right. to take, yeah, she's yeah. going to take
0: my, my side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, how crazy, <laughs> is how awesome is it when you see your mom or your parents take on someone that Ordinarily, you've seen as like, oh, that's the law. Those are the mm. rule people. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. You're like, wow, you can. Someone's allowed to do that. Oh my god, the teacher got in trouble. <laughs> it's so. It's just liberating. It just opens your eyes. Yeah, I, I remember one time. Oh yeah, so many. My mum's done so much. She's walked into the in my uh, the principal's office when I was, and and I think she, I remember <laughs> there was this, when those kids were bullying me. I remember she made him physically flinch because she said, "No, you listen to me." And he went like, "He chopped that." And I was there. I was like, "Whoa, she's physically intimidating." She's not. She looks like a very like I don't know how she did it, but anyway. Now she's um, (laughs) but she's also very nice. Like we grew up like you know single single parent household, but we always had like the house was always full, so there's always like random people in the house. So she just make friends with people. I don't know. Like I remember I learned guitar from a guy that my mum just met on the street. And she said, oh, you play guitar? My son wants to play guitar. He all of a sudden started coming over for dinner all the time and just hanging out with us. And then we had this other woman. Like, we just had people in and out of the house, just kind of eating, hanging out, just, you know. So it was always like a bit of a, kind of like a village-like feel, which is very nice. So I think she definitely always... And I remember when, you know, like single parents, when, they, when they're, um, you know, like uh, they often become... like I could always spot kids from a single-parent household because they always have a kind of a similar each personality. I don't know, there's something about... Uh, little things don't bother them as much because if, if you've endured a, a divorce as a kid you know you're not going to be upset about what you have for lunch or i don't know maybe if you do there's you can go two ways you can become a total brat or whatever ju- justifiably or you can kind of rise and become older than you are like and i, and I could always spot those kids so my mum used to hang out with like this kind of circle of divorced women and they always used to kind of hang out and there was like uh there were these priests and rabbis and these like re- religious figures from other communities that used to all they used to have this weird kind of community of divorced people that used to just hang out together. So we would we grew up around this bizarre mix of people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, accidentally we had a we had a good education about the world through through them, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it a was, it was interesting childhood. <laughs>
1: childhood.
0: She sounds tough. No, she, she, she's she's So,
1: how did you do, do? you still see your dad? Or? Yeah, we,
0: we're in touch now. Like it obviously took a, a long time. Like, you know, there was, it was a very different person back then, and I was quite, probably too young to understand the dynamics how were of it. Uh, like six, six, six to sort of eight is when it kind of all sort of wrapped yeah. up. Um, you know, and it, it's a, it, takes you, it takes a long time to, to understand all that as a kid. Just, yeah, as you know, mm-hmm. as as one knows, like it, as a ch- ch- children in the. In the, in the in the in the family of, you know whatever they they start to believe that it's got something to do with them mm-hmm. so until you understand what the hell's going on that it's, oh, it's just your parents splitting up it's uh it's, it's just confusing but yeah we we're now completely fine we speak and you know he's um he lives in Sri Lanka um he's doing very well but yeah it's uh
1: I remember when my uh well, well, well I don't remember this my mom yeah. told me what happened when she told me that my dad was leaving and she like sat me down and she was like he's He's going to move out. And I started crying, and she was like comforting me. And and then when I finally could speak, I said, Will he take my toys? <laughs> That's all you have. <laughs> yeah, she was like, No. I was like, Oh, oh fair enough. So
0: you immediately went to custody. <laughs> <laughs> taking them
1: to court. It's yeah, not necessary. We'll you just mediate. <laughs>
0: Got a great result, Sophie. Um, you get yeah. the toys. He <laughs> gets to visit them you once every a second. Pint,
1: but- <laughs> But don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Well, I don't. I mean, it was a bit. Yeah. So, have you felt? I mean, obviously, I've, it's like a thing with, especially with, like in, within female comedian circles, there's a, yeah. that whole daddy issue thing. <laughs> but I've rarely. I haven't heard about daddy issues being used as. Well, a thing for, my
0: manager says she reckons all comedians. I don't know if she says all male. Comedians, she, she has a fear, She's like all dude comedians. That she, a lot of them, they have some daddy issues somewhere in there (laughs) and I was like oh that makes oh damn it me too like (laughs) I know know. but I don't know what it is comedy is a bloody weird thing isn't it like I mean obviously I I do like making people happy and that's how I that's the way I say it to myself oh yeah I actually love making people happy and laugh and stuff like that but at the same time there is the oh I'm getting validation from a room full of strangers which is a weird thing to to, to seek every night Um, but um but that's what it is, you know. Uh, I, I, don't know I, I don't know. I think I'm a pretty happy person generally. So
1: yeah, how, how are you feeling in general right now? Like your general mood. Pretty good,
0: you know. Like I'm pretty. I'm feeling um. Well, this this festival is a bloody marathon. Yeah. Physically exhausted, mentally drained. Yeah. But um, but you know what? I think I'm mean, a good good space. You know. Um. Uh. I've got my my partner's here. She uh she landed a few days ago, so that's good. Um lost my freedom a little bit because <laughs> now I can't sleep in as much. She's got a lot of energy and now I'm going to get up and do activities, which is good. But, you know, um, I can't just wake up and go, what am I going to do today? Sleep. Nah. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's, been, it's been good. I'm just, just you know, I think I've, this has been it's been a good few years. It's been, it's been lots of fun. So,
1: Did you, I feel like I remember seeing a video that went sort of viral. Did you go to, <laughs> am I wrong?
0: Wait, go on, finish your sentence.
1: Is some island some... Oh,
0: you watched the celebrity show. <laughs> I was just like, maybe you're talking about a comedy clip of mine.
1: Oh, no, I've never watched that. But, <laughs> no, but I just... I remember, what, 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 yeah, I it? To, what was so, it? Because so, I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Look, recently I did, I did the show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of here. Which
1: uh, is which is what exactly? I
0: don't so watch. basically, this is, this is a reality television show. Um, the UK has a version, um, yeah. and we have our own version. Oh, it's a very different show in the UK. In the UK, okay. it's up late, you know, it's salacious, it's rumor driven. In Australia, it's a highbrow political show. No, it's not. <laughs> so, now, they chuck basically 14 celebrities into the jungle. We were in South Africa. You have to live together on oh, wow. very little rations and stuff like that. And to get more food, you have to win trials and do all sorts of things. So, there was, you know, I was a comedian, then there was like a Miss Australia person, and there was like a, a, an AFL football player. Um, a rugby player, there was a, a, a right wing commentator or a shock jock, um, actresses, there's all sorts of a mix of a singer, um, and uh, we all basically had to live together. So I was there for six weeks until um, the second last day, and uh, it was a pretty full on experience. To be honest, I, 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 I actually enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And I know like most people broke at some point or they had like bad days. I actually don't think I had a bad day. It was was just strange because somehow I was able to every day at every you know when I was even when I was uncomfortable, I could just see the cameras and go, "Oh, this is just a game." You know, it's just a silly thing. But um, but you could see like uh, within the first week, everyone dropped their guard, including me. You sort of just you can't put on a performance anymore uh, because the cameras are you know for the first week, everyone thinks about what they're saying. They they're very careful about the sentences that you know that. They're interacting in a very polite plastic kind of way after a week it all just you, you don't have the energy anymore to 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 put up that act. so you just become yourself, which is a scary kind of thing to know that you're just not caring anymore but ultimately, I think you start to trust yourself and you go oh, actually I'm not that bad a person if I'm just myself, I'm sure I'll be all right and so that was when we had the most fun and you know like but I ne- but I never really kind of snapped like it was really funny seeing people just snap at the show. Like just yelling at invisible producers, going, "Just give us food!" Like it was, it was really, I think comedians would do really well in these shows yeah. because, you, you know, like uh, I don't know. It's just we don't take ourselves as, as seriously. But uh, uh, you know, it was really, it was really fun. I, I I was really hungry. I lost ten kilos on that show. Um, I had to do all sorts of disgusting things. But um,
1: did you eat gross animals? Eat just,
0: yeah, just, just um, I can't even remember the stuff that I ate. But people used to keep voting me into those disgusting food trials because I had a very I've got a very sensitive gag reflex. I throw up a lot. Uh, so that's why they kept and afterwards when I came out they played a montage of me throwing up, which is nice. um So that was that was a nice reputation to to, to build off that. But um no, it was uh, it was it was fun. It was, you know. And now like the people that sort of come to my show are a real mixed bag. You get all these people that you know, my comedy is obviously a little bit political or whatever, but now you've got all these people that have seen me on this very mainstream television show. They come to the show on I think on when that what they broadcast was you know also me talking a little bit about politics, so when they come to the stand up show they 're not completely surprised but yeah, it's a real... because yeah, the
1: clip that went sort of viral was, right. was uh, you talking about Islamophobia?
0: Yeah, well, so it was me and my... Uh, so we did this segment each night because we were so bored in this sh- on this show. You just will away the hours. You're sitting there doing nothing for most of the day. The stuff that you see on TV is just the most exciting stuff and the rest of the day you're just waiting. Um, so we did this segment called Jungle Radio where the... Uh, uh steve price he's a he's actually a commentator on television and he's got his own column and radio show so he would interview each of us each night for like an hour or two just for us to pass the time we genuinely thought this is just for us they're probably going to broadcast any of this and it's a good way to just get to know each other and so i think i was like i don't know the 10th person that he interviewed and we spoke for like a i don't know maybe a couple of hours and then it point i don't know why uh we started talking about um I don't know Islamophobia or just Muslim stuff, and then I, you know, there's a lot to think. You know, I think I'll, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that makes you feel sad about the the reality of life in Australia. But I think I said that there's one thing that kind of does make me feel a little bit positive thinking about the future it was when and I, I, sp- I spoke a little bit about the, you know, we've had that we had the Lint Cafe siege in, in Sydney where there's a gunman and he held up a a, a cafe and he ended up killing uh two people and then he killed him or he was killed as well um anyway in the wake of that that was horrible but there was a like a, a lots of people were threatening muslims like there was a lot of you know people just obviously very angry um and so my sister contacted me she's a lawyer she, she was at work and she said i'm I feeling quite scared to go home i wear a hijab and i said well you know just take it off there's no reason to wear it if you're scared you should just you know just be safe and she said, "Oh, yeah, that's a good idea." And that, you know, she was just she was just wanting to talk about how how, how upset she was feeling. Really. And then um, a couple hours later, she was still at work. She she um, she basically messaged and said, "You know what? There's this hashtag that's trending. I'll ride with you." Which kind of a lot of a lot of non-Muslims are volunteering to ride on public transport with Muslims and make them feel safe and comfortable and step in and things like that. And so she said, "You know, actually, I feel pretty comfortable and safe now, knowing that just random Australians are willing to stand up." On public transport and make me feel so she kept it on and that was a sort of like you know when you see that often the the stuff that makes news or like the the voices that get most prominence are the voices filled with hate but this was something that you know overwhelmingly Australians do I think that is the, the Australian spirit that I think should define Australia and that is what you sort of see sometimes in the wake of tragedies you see good people standing up and a lot of the time good people stand up because there's a lot of hateful voices um but, you know, I think the silent majority are good. You just don't hear from them very much. So, yeah, that was really nice. You know, even I know there's a lot of talk about and commentary around it being, oh, it's just a hashtag or who cares about, you know, online activism, etc. But that stuff is meaningful. You know, like uh, these are still individuals who have gone to their mobile phone and somehow want to reach out to people that they don't know. So, yeah, it had a really big positive impact on not just my sister, lots of people that I know. Muslims and non-Muslims, white and non-white. You know, I think everybody sort of they do draw from positivity. So it was, yeah, it was. I think I spoke about that for a little bit, and uh, I don't really cry very often. <laughs> oh, I forgot, it's just said I'm just, you know, I like to try and protect my own emotions. I don't know how, but uh, my partner, she says I've, she's only seen me like cry I think once, and then she goes, yeah, and the only other two times I've seen you cry, you're on that show. <laughs> so that was one of them. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so it was um. it was that uh, was a weird thing to go via. I didn't even so I did that interview and then it's just we spoke about a lot of stuff and also I was quite emotional, hungry and missing everybody. And then I went to sleep. I couldn't actually sleep that night. I was like, that's a lot of stuff that I just don't know like what the TV, what the network's going to do with what you've said and you've shared. And and they were very nice. You know, they obviously they I didn't you know it's just you could you could totally misquote anything you've said in. The Jungle, you know, you're speaking 24 hours a day, so yeah.
1: Did you get a lot of feedback from that? From, oh, yeah, huge like uh, that
0: was the most mainstream thing I've ever done. So, before that, you know, like I've done radio, I've done like stand up, I've done I've got my, had my own sketch show on a smaller network, but still, all very you know, comedy's pretty inherently niche in Australia anyway. And this was a, a very popular reality television show, so ordinary Australians who would never have heard of me or never have maybe even. You know, heard from those experiences. They got to watch it. And it was, for, for a mainstream reality television show, they did air some of these conversations. Like, we spoke about Israel-Palestine. We spoke about war, religion, like all sorts of things. Um, you know, democracy, just just heavy-ish issues. But they presented it in a way that was quite accessible. And I thought, they don't need to do that, but they did it. And, um, you know, overwhelmingly positive response from from people and I and I was expecting a lot of hate. I just thought, oh, well, if you, you do a show like this, you do a reality television show, they're looking for scandal. There's got to be some stuff that people are going to hate me for. I can't even remember. And we were joking about it on the inside when we were in there. We thought, oh, imagine if we come out, we've just had a great time here, and as soon as we step out in public, someone just punches us in the face and goes, "I can't believe you said that." Said what? I remember. Like you say so much stuff, <laughs> and you're in the hands of the editors. But um, now it was it was all very nice. All just so much love. Never, you know, like it was weird because it's. You know, we were like, how do you even win this show? You're just sitting there doing you, doing nothing. It's not, a, it's a weird competition. Like, it's not like a cooking show or anything else. You're just sitting there just doing stuff. Like, it's a, so it's a, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just really nice. Really nice. And the good thing of, about that show is that before that, if I was doing stand-up, you know, like, as soon as you go, you talk about your experience, it may be Muslim or whatever, or you've got a criticism of Australia, people immediately judge and are suspicious of your intentions was after doing this show just doing silly stuff people get to know you as a person and i think they start to trust you and they sort of feel like they they know you personally so then you can say whatever you like and people even if you say something that oh, you know on the face of it is controversial or edgy i feel like now the audience when i perform i feel like oh they know exactly wh- what i mean i don't need to justify or qualify all these sentences i can just get to the jokes so it's really it's been really kind of like liberating in a way like that
1: so in terms of like uh islam do you feel i don't know Is this comedy scene the same in australia where there's a lot of atheism
0: uh yeah it's pretty pretty atheist centric sort of thing
1: I've, I've seen this just so much aggressive <laughs> almost like militant atheism and i'm i mean i I've, I've often say this uh but it's bullshit like i it's it just feels a bit toxic in a lot of ways so how does it feel being like a, mm. a religious person in comedy
0: Look, I can understand, like the uh, I think the the pushback against kind of religion and, and religious institutions. I think as comedians, you sort of, you know, we're we're, we're very good. Our job is, uh, kind of, I guess, being funny critics. Really, we like to poke holes in things. It's not easy to stand behind a construction, I like to sort of to construct something. Really, I don't know if that's if I'm being, I don't know if I'm generalizing here, but I, but I think um, so. Yeah, religion is something that I think. And religious institutions are responsible for a lot of harm, and uh, continue to 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 be harmful. But I think, uh, but at the same time, yeah, I think I think you're right. There is a little bit of kind of like uninformed aggression towards religion or the idea of theology, or like just people being religious or spiritual or whatever. Like, and I, th- you know, the institu- you know the Catholic Church is responsible for a lot of stuff, but. Christianity as a religion or as an idea means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. There are as many approaches to Christianity as there are Christians just like with Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism or whatever. Whatever you seek to believe it's just just like atheism. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's, you know, it's, I've, I've heard all the jokes about Islam and I've heard all the jokes about Christianity and God and this and that but I think, you know, as someone, I do think about all these things. I, obviously, I'm not just someone that just believes for the sake of believing. I've thought about it a lot and, you know, I'm comfort- and I'm, I think as a religious person, I'm constantly seeking to fine tune my understanding of what it means to believe and you know I try to be as introspective and as self critical as I can, and that's the point of being religious, but you know um I just feel like I think the scene is is moving beyond that a little bit. I think I need to go through that phase you know especially in Australia you know if you talk about same sex marriage right now um, uh, there are a lot of people with views. That are I i say that are bigoted, that are informed by certain religious ideas, and I think if you're if you're seeking to provide a progressive safe space for all Australians or for all citizens, then certain people from religious communities are responsible for that bigotry. So I think I can understand when comedians or whoever like to push back against that, but I think at the same time, it is also a little bit bigoted to say religion is effed. or you know, like. It's just, it's kind of dumb to say stuff like that when you don't really understand. I don't think like if you spoke to a comedian, they'd be able to explain Islam to me, Christianity to anyone. Like, you know, they wouldn't be able to, in their own words, describe, like, you know, or they, in the way that they describe it, they'd quote things from the Bible. Or doesn't the Bible say this? It doesn't, the Quran say that. You know, like, I don't think that's what actual... Well, progressively minded Christians or religious people, and by progressively minded, I don't mean that, that, that. Like for me, I feel like I'm a traditional Muslim in that I understand Islam in the way that it was intended to be understood, in that it's a living kind of, you know, idea. Like the the, the Quran is something that is growing, and it, and and, it, and it, you know, you have to take into consideration the culture of the t- of the place and the time in which you live in. And so, yes, yeah, to be progressive is to be a traditionalist. You know, to be culturally and Relevant is what it means to be a religious person. I think when people criticize religion, they criticize the religion that they think that you know that they think exists today, which it doesn't. I think a lot of people's ideas of religion existed maybe thousands of years ago. I don't know. Or,
1: or they're grasping for some, like the people who say, oh, what, you believe that a man is sitting on a cloud? Yeah, all no,
0: that sort of no stuff. One, oh, no look, uh, one said that. I know, and if people believe that, fine. But, you know, that's a pretty simple target then. If you're believing in someone that has a simple view of God... You know, it's not real. I don't know, like what what the point of that target is. Now why are you believe? You know, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that joke is when you're making fun of someone that believes. And I understand, like sometimes religion can inspire people to do horrible things, but I don't think it's necessarily just religion. I think some, sometimes maybe that person is already uh, already is a little bit messed up from whatever else, and maybe r- religion or the, the, their understanding or you know the language that's used by religionists to. You know, I think it's it's a little simple, well, like, you know.
1: maybe, yeah, well, if, if religion can inspire that, so can money, so can anything. power, so can, love. So can capitalism,
0: so can atheism, yeah. so can all sorts of, you know. Um, I think people are people and at the end of the day, people will, will grab at whatever they want to justify their own, you know, objectives. You know, we've seen that time and time again with with war and you know, just with everything. Uh, if you just look at the way companies are run, like the way states are run, like I think it's just a, it's a little simple. I think if we were to have this conversation in like, a very, you know, in, in, in the opposite, so it's like you know, in a country that's, pure, you know, if you go to America even, and you talk in some southern states where you know, the, the way they talk about atheism is, is just the way that we talk about like religion in like sort of very atheist centric societies in in the UK and Australia, like it's it, it's just uninformed.
1: Do you feel like you have to justify it a lot? Like, do you, when you talk, like, for example, right now, like mm. when you talk to people about religion, do you instantly go to the point where you, you're you trying to justify it, be d- diplomatic? I mean, do you feel like you can just talk yeah. about it? As like a,
0: no, it's just sometimes. Like, sometimes it depends how, you know, like when someone asks a question, you can f- sort of figure out, like, why they're asking the question. Um, but at the same time, I, I try to be open. I try to just listen to what, you know, if someone has a question, um, you know, I was talking about it with my wife the other day. Like, she, you know, she was like, you know, I think at the same, I think we do actually have a responsibility. You know, it is easy to say. You now, I've got no need to explain my beliefs to anybody. Mm. You know, I should just be able to do what I want, whatever. You know, that's that is. And that is that, well, I think we're absolutely right. We don't need to have to explain why we do what we do. But at the same time, there's a lot of people that don't know anything because of what they're fed. You know, um, they're just a product of the societies that we live in. So it is kind of our responsibility to be generous and be open and caring and, and, and to talk and help people learn. Like I wouldn't know a lot about a lot of things if someone didn't take the time to educate me when I was ignorant. <laughs> so, you know, I'm happy. I, I do like when people are genuinely curious and I, I do prefer when people just ask me flat out what they, what their question, you know, they don't need to tiptoe and they just say, why do you do this? And at the end of the day, like I'm still, I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm still learning. I'm, you know, I'm always going to be, Hopefully. I'm never. Hopefully, I'm never going to be complacent in my worldviews, you know. Um, otherwise, I feel like if that ever happens, and I'm arrogant, and what's the point? Like, what's the point? I don't know. I hope I'm never arrogant. That's that's I think the aim in life.
1: So, where are you at with your faith at the moment? How does it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you are constantly learning and trying to redefine? Yeah. What faith of being faith, uh, being a uh, believer means to you?
0: Well, like I think, like one. Well, if we're talking about Islamically, like there's, I think the idea of Islam if you were to sum it up, like Islam says the point of life is to find God and you find God by finding yourself. So looking within and working out who you are, figuring out your flaws and kind of trying to try to perfect or beautify your inner is, is the point. And so if that, you know, Islam says the best amongst you is, a, is the one who is most beneficial to others. So I try to live by that mantra, just try and be better, just try and be good to other people. And you know, if I can do that, then I'm, I think that's the point. Um, I don't really care what other people believe, so long as I can only be accountable for what I'm doing. So it's yeah, I, I get angry at everybody else, but if I'm if I'm true to what I say I believe in, I should really be thinking about how I'm actually bringing some value to those around me or to the world. So that's sort of the point for me. Sort, of, but you know, I am actually a very, you know, everyone's a selfish person. You know, you're very self interested. I just do what makes me happy a lot of the time. You know, and, and, and I'm often aware of that. So i don't know just a day-to-day it's just a struggle you know you know, you, you walk past someone who's asking for money you can walk past you can think of, you know so that's just the it's just, i don't know i don't even know where to begin with this uh, yeah it's just yeah it's, a pretty pro- yeah, it's just, it's just it's kind of you know what i, I mean narrow,
1: like i can narrow it down a bit because this it leads so perfectly into this question that i always ask um so basically we have okay so mm-hmm. imagine we're at let's say like world war Two, mm-hmm. uh, middle of berlin right so everyone's there are Nazis everywhere oh god and (laughs) there's
0: a horrible scene
1: I know (laughs) picture it get
0: me out of (laughs) Charlottesville
1: so you can basically in a situation like that or a similar situation you can basically choose more or less three different things you can either join the Nazis be part of the Uh the bad guys you can stay neutral stay inside just calm just you know don't make any sudden noises or you can join the resistance like the like the Mm -hmm. underground resistance go out and Mm. place bombs in the in the parliament and all of those things. So <laughs> which of those roles would you do? You think Wait, what, was the, what was the second one? Up, Neutral.
0: I would definitely not be neutral. I definitely wouldn't be a Nazi. I would definitely join some sort of, you know, I would want to be doing the right thing. And uh, I think the right thing isn't always just like, be, you know, I, I think passivity, whatever the word is, is uh, it's not necessarily, you know, I would probably join some sort of resistance. I think most. People now, if you ask them, they would say, "Oh yeah, I'd be fighting the cause." But you, I, I wouldn't know until I'm there. It's that's a terrifying thought. Like when you're there, like imagine, yeah, you, you and your whole family could be killed if you were found out. And so, hats off to anyone. I mean, it's. Uh, I'm sure we would all say we'd join the resistance. I don't know what I would do, and I hope I would There's join. A
1: few people who haven't. Mm. Like, as I guess I asked this to most most people yeah. now, and most there are a few people who said that yeah. they would stay neutral. Yeah, I mean. If it was
0: obvious that the Nazis were bad, and I'm sure it wouldn't be, uh, it's probably hard to know because I don't know how. It would, well, I guess I do live in a in Australia, and we are kind of sold in a way propaganda, like as certain ideas that are based in ignorance are popular and are accepted by the masses. So, if I was living in Berlin, I would probably be sold. I don't know. I don't think I'd believe. I don't think I'd believe the hype. I reckon I'd, I'd know the Nazis were bullshit, and uh, you know if. I... Uh,
1: yeah, well, this, that was – I got because I would ask that question, yeah. and I would make it kind of fictional, like imagine if this was a thing yeah, that yeah. happened. And then I got an email from someone, rightly so, pointing out that <laughs> it is kind of happening. Yeah, yeah. To some extent, this is happening yeah. and there is a resistance. There yeah, are people yeah. fighting. Yeah, I think what attracted me – so this version of it was that there were yeah. real-life bombs that people would go out and go out night. Yeah. I kind of liked the, the oh, man, re- like Oh, man, it's like I'm
0: – you know, okay, so this is the – I always thought that I'm a bit of a wimp, right? I've never, I've never gotten in a fight. I've never – you know, have you gone into the nah, phone? Nah. So I've never... Oh, I, on the internet. On the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Man, even on the internet, I become a diplomat and I'm like... Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, well, sometimes I argue, but then I'm just like, whatever. And <laughs> I just always go, we're on different pages. But so there's one time, one of my best friends, Armer, he played a... This is a weird prank. Long story short, <laughs> me and my friend, Armer and Jody McIntyre, he's this uh, kind of activist from London, actually. We were hanging out at night London, walking down the street across the road there was a guy and i was like oh that guy keeps looking at us and my friend armor and jody they were like well stop looking at him you know if you look at him he's gonna look at us so we kept walking half an hour later i still see him i'm like he's kind of following us and they're like well stop looking at him he's probably some freak just you know you're gonna encourage his behavior just just keep you know don't look at him half an hour passed and i see him again i see him again i see him again the night kept passing and i kept seeing this guy and then he came up to us once and we sat down we were having dinner and he started talking about one of our friends who's a High-profile rapper, and started saying, "Where is he? Huh? What's he doing? What's he up to? Is he still making those songs about Palestine?" Okay, cool. And then he walked away, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's like a spy. that's like some sort of spy, you know? Um, that he, or he's maybe some hitman." And I start getting real kind of paranoid. Anyway, we got back to the hotel. Just as we we're about to turn into the hotel, I see that guy across the road, and then I go, "Hey, Amir, he's across the road." Amir pulls me into the hotel, goes, "And says, you're seeing things." I go, "No, I'm not." And I run out of the hotel. I had yogurt in my hand. I threw the yogurt on the floor on the ground, and I run after this guy. He ran into an alleyway, and I chased him into an alleyway, some stranger. He comes walking towards me as I turn into the alleyway. He's facing me now, hands in his pockets. He's smiling and laughing, and he's about to pull his hands out of his pockets. All of a sudden, the thought came into my brain. Oh, my God, what am I doing? I think this guy has a gun. I've just chased a random guy into an alleyway. I turned around, and I see Armour and Jody. They're laughing. This guy's laughing. It was a prank, and they were trying to make me paranoid. But I never thought that I would ever... Chase a guy into an alley because I thought my friend was at risk, but it came out of nowhere. It was just a split thing that happened. And I wouldn't, if I had stopped to think about it like I did at the end, I don't think I would have done that, but it just kind of happened. So that, that makes me feel confident that. You, you know, maybe when the time comes, I might drop the yogurt you could again. Drop
1: the yogurt. I mean, <laughs> the yogurt is the best thing
0: <laughs> I just remember smashing it on the ground. <laughs> anyway, so then I told you know they kept telling my friends, "Oh, we prank ha. But then I ended up looking like the hero in yeah. this story, right? Because oh, wow, you threw the yogurt. So then they did this like kind of revenge prank where. We're walking down the street, and this really annoyed me. And all of a sudden, this big dude comes up and asks Armer for his phone for the time. Armo pulls out his phone. The guy grabs the phone. And I say, hey, man, give him back his phone. This guy goes, what did you say? And tries to fight me. He, try, he tries to pretend swinging at me. So I just run down the road. and This guy chases me. And then all of a sudden, he stops running. I turn around. Everyone's laughing. I'm like, that's not a prank, guys. What else was I expected to do? Yeah. He just wanted to fight me. I have to run. What, do you, what am I supposed to do? Fight a big... Like, no. And so anyway... That, you know, I ran as well, but I think that's what you're supposed to do. I
1: think you need to reevaluate your friendships.
0: <laughs> but he felt really bad after that. Like, you're good. <laughs> I couldn't even that's look at the him worst. for that. Like, oh, no, that was horrible. That that's was really horrible. Bad. I think I was a little bit traumatized from that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you take revenge?
0: He's the one guy that I haven't been able to. I need to think of a. I need to think. Of a, <laughs> Can you please ask your listeners to come yeah, up with some really cunning plans?
1: They're really cool. I do this thing on the podcast called um, Acts of Disobedience. Oh, really? Where they submit if they've done something that's... <laughs> like someone threw... Someone was walking. It was my favorite one. She was walking down the street. And then this like open convertible g- car with some guys in it, And they started shouting like fat bitch at it, or something like that. But she just bought like a six pack of Coke. So she just opened it and threw it into the car. Because they were like a, <laughs> They were like a red light. That and is that hilarious. Green and she just kept throwing these cans. And
0: that them. is so funny. That is really. That is, I mean, proper that's good ones. That is proper gangster. What done. Yeah, there's some pretty <laughs> good ones. So I get like, they send me this, um, through
1: the website, they send in all the acts disobedience. That's some pretty, some some cool of disobedience. some
0: And then I kill the guy. All right, that's that's an act of criminality.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think once it gets to that point,
0: I mean, you have I'm to start, start forwarding stuff. him to the police.
1: <laughs> doing a disclaimer or something <laughs> remember there's been probably like people like calling up like their daughter's abusive husbands being like if you fucking touch her again i'll fucking kill really? Her. So like, it's really like it's it's just wow there's something so and there's a woman who um there's these like uh, weight loss commercials on the tube yeah. and she printed out stickers that says like something like your body is good enough the way it is or something like that or don't listen to this bullshit huh. and she like just has them in oh, her purse just puts them up
0: really that's pretty cool
1: underground. yeah
0: that's, that's really the- you know what yeah I mean I don't, I don't think I've done I don't think I've done anything like that
1: well you kind of, the thing that's so interesting is how you you're so is that, I don't know if this is a word Chevalier huh is that word what's that what was Chevalier
0: that I don't know probably it's probably a word now, I just, now I'm just exposing my <laughs> stupidity damn <laughs> I mean, Sh- it's probably close to the word right, yeah.
1: like a like. Um,
0: Wait, do you mean chivalrous?
1: No. No. <laughs> Damn. Um,
0: okay, I, I mean like uh,
1: classy
0: and casual. Oh, I don't know about classy. I ate no, gross food on that show. <laughs> I've done reality television. Okay. You, you threw a yogurt
1: on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <is> not classy. <laughs> 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 no, but like in the way that you are just kind of like because you represent such a Baby, you're Look, underrepresented. No, I know. Yeah, you I look, nah, look. You know, no, you're, you're not. Of course, you didn't <laughs> never meant to speak on
0: behalf of... No, 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 but it, but it, yeah, look, uh, I'll take that. I'll wear it. You know, that's my act of <laughs>
1: civil disobedience. <laughs> no, but that, that's doing something.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Like, um, this was not... Well, so one time we... So, this is how bad Australia is. Sometimes we get death threats just for doing comedy, right? Like, mm, and yeah, I do yeah. silly comedy about family or whatever. Mm. And anyway, one time we got a death threat and um, we went on radio. It was from a neo-Nazi bikie gang. And we, it was a YouTube comment and someone emailed it. I got a handwritten one as well. Anyway, I went on radio and we were joking about it um, with the host. We were like, ha-ha. We were going through the comment and dissecting it, being idiots. I got a air, my manager was like, what the hell? That was a serious death threat. You know, you can't take these things lightly. Now you've just broadcast on a national radio. You're probably going to encourage other people. So we had to get... So the police got involved. We had a bodyguard, this big dude named Dragon, who at our show... (laughs) He he came to our show because the guy threatened to shoot me on stage whilst I was at the gig. And so Dragon came to the show and he... We were backstage and he was checking everybody and we peeked through the curtain and we looked at the audience. And there's two Aussie dudes who objectively look like drunk idiots, just there with beers, just having a laugh. And Dragon comes up to him, puts his face real close to their face and, and goes... We're gonna have a good time tonight, right, guys? We're gonna have a good. And these guys freaked out <laughs> after the show. My friends were coming up, trying to like <laughs> shake our hands and stuff. And Dragon was like, hey, and pushing them back and feeling them up. And he took his job way too seriously. But um, <laughs> but that's just that's just kind of that's as dangerous as my life has ever been.
1: I just really love because when you said neo-Nazi biker gang, for a second I imagined bicycles instead of bikes. <laughs> <laughs> so they, not, they really fit,
0: you know? Their tricycles. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, there was not We got this. Um, I, I, uh, I did the show Legally Brown on SBS in Australia, which is, again, a small network. Someone sent a handwritten letter to SBS um, saying that they, you know, it's like a, a kind of weird death threat. But in the letter, he said that he was from the Sydney chapter of the Comancheros bikey gang. And so we were like, so we read it. I was like, that's pretty scary. But I was like, actually, hang on a second. The Comancheros. They're a multicultural – they're like the only gang in Australia that kind of assert themselves as having this kind of like diversity sort of policy within the gang. And so we contacted someone. I was like, hey, man, is this? would you guys write a letter? And they were like, no. They said, this is not what we would do. And they were like, we could do if you want, like a joint press conference denouncing (laughs) whoever and saying, if you write a letter, do not use our name. We are proud of the multicultural (laughs) ethos of our gang. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what kind of gang? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know what they do. There's gangs. Yeah. So they, not neo you know, Nazi. Just no, no, just, just gang. a gang. So basically,
0: I think I don't know how what, it like works. Like a group of friends. Well, sort of. It's because it's like there's beaches, right? And people different beaches, like different people want to surf there. And I think I, I don't really know. I don't want to disrespect any bikies from Australia that are listening. Respect, love to you all, but. Um, <laughs>
1: But I'm looking at him right now. He still has a yogurt. You're not in danger. I
0: haven't dropped it yet. All right, (laughs) don't you make me drop it. But um, they they used to just like you know protect the beach or whatever, so they could all surf. I think, and then other people would have rival. You know, I think that's how they. I don't know. To be honest,
1: sounds pretty cool.
0: Yeah, sounds pretty. Sounds like a real fun gang. (laughs) We just want to surf, you know. gang. (laughs) Yeah, let us surf. will fight you.
1: Just some poor woman being forced to surf. (laughs) No listen Being Sandra serve- you have quotas. <laughs> <laughs> you have-
0: get on your board.
1: <laughs> I don't want to be part of get on your fucking board. Stop paddling, sir. Go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cutest, <laughs> cutest most pathetic thing I've done. <laughs> but how do you So th- does it not touch you, the death threats?
0: Uh it doesn't touch me. Cause they're online uh people have said some Kind of scary-ish things over the years to my face, but not so much. But it scares. Me. I shouldn't have said it to my mum. Like I, I think I said. Mm, it. Yeah. I said it was on a document, or someone did an, an article, or thing, a piece on me. It, it went on TV, and my mum saw it, and she was just like, "What the hell?" Like that. Yeah. That was bad. So I shouldn't have let her be exposed to that. But I think like if people are gonna write stuff online. People don't actually kill people. I don't think they talk about it online. Oh, I'm gonna kill you, and then they go out. Like they don't do stuff. They just go <laughs> Why and would kill you, you. Warn you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was war. Like you know, they don't. They don't do that. <laughs> Just like Al Qaeda training videos and all that sort of stuff. Like that was all. Mm. Look, look at us! Look at our training videos. We're going to get you. That was just, just marketing. And then you know, I don't know. Actually, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I don't know how death threats work. Like, do they? No, but What's the so. strike rate after? The-
1: and also, like, if, if you put down, like, I'm part of this gang. I live in this. Yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a bit. I'm like, my rank is I- this. You know. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty Here's scary. My phone number Here's my photo. Work. I bench a lot. <laughs> <I> bench.
1: <laughs> My weak points are <laughs> my left shoulder and
0: I'm my nearly angles. black belt, you know. <laughs> I've got to go a few more lessons, do the gradings on the weekend, but.
1: The system. I'm mom of the death. I like dogs. I hate cats.
0: <laughs> I'm also vegan because uh, I'm quite, you know, conscious of. <laughs>
1: Concept of as would well, you join so. a gang would you join a gang <laughs> I'd love, love, fucking love to join
0: a yeah, gang yeah like a militant We had not know
1: we had a and I'm using it I got gang uh, when I was really seven or eight right <laughs> I call it a gang we would because we found this it was a place where they put like old trucks like a, an old like truck like a depot cemetery yeah, oh, or really? you, could, well, you could call it oh, yeah.
0: an old truck set where trucks, trucks going to die. <laughs> yeah,
1: because they were all open, like the backs of the trucks oh. were open. So we would go and hang out in one of the Damn. trucks and we'd just sit in the back and we'd be like, oh.
0: "The truck kids."
1: Yeah, we're just waiting. We're just hoping. <laughs> we're genuinely hoping we would find like a dead body. Oh really? So we could identify it. And be like,
0: <laughs> I mean, that's what you'd hope. Then when you see one, you, oh you,
1: yeah. You, <laughs> In the truck. It would be such
0: a good film. <laughs> the back of the truck, kids. <laughs> I think
1: since then, yeah, I've kind of wanted to be in
0: the game Yeah, I mean, how secret? Actually, I found out. This is—I don't mean to make this a sad. But I found out one of my best friends. He's a bit younger than me. Oh, he's always like been a little brother to me. But he was in a gang. One day, like um we used to go for drives. He loves going on these long drives. So we went for a drive, and he borrowed my F card He's like, "Oh, can I borrow some money, bro?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, sure." sure. Give him my card. Like he knows my pin. And, you know, he's just kind of like you know, like kind of like family. He uh, gave me back my card. The next day I was at uni and I looked on my um, net bank online statement and I was like, oh, he took out like, I can't remember, lots of money. And I was like, oh, maybe something's wrong. So I called him up. I was like, hey, bro, what's going on? You took out a lot of money. Are you all right? Like, and he's like, no, no, I'll pay you back. I'm like, it's not that. Are you like, why did you need all the money? He goes, no, no, that's no, all good. Anyway, so he comes to, to, to my university and he, he goes, hey, man, how's it going? And he slaps my hand and he gives me like a whole bunch of cash. Like it's all in like... 20s 10, it's all rolled up and i was like oh okay cool And he goes i'll drive you home so in the car and i'm driving home with him and i go i was just joking around i go oh are you in some sort of gang are hey, you bro and he goes no no and then i was like whoa you're being a little bit too defensive and i was like you are in a gang and he's like yeah it turns out he isn't a gang. he's basically this kid that was bullied his whole life he was like um he, in fact one time when he was bullied so much that he decided to win the adoration of the, the the classmates by stealing the exam paper photocopying it and giving it to everyone so everyone aced the exam but then they snitched on him so he got expelled after everyone part- so he was that kind of he used to go I remember we were like oh let's hang out Thursdays he's like oh let's go let's go watch a movie on Thursday he goes well I can't Thursday because I get beaten up after school on Thursdays what about Friday <laughs> like is that kind of guy like where well, he schedules in his bullying like Aww. so eventually he basically joined a gang or something he found himself in this gang of kind of like misfits kids would get used to get and they used to just do drugs and stuff and he used to feel like he was a vital member of the gang of this team i just don't even know if it's a gang but they used to deal drugs and they you know they, they'd all have a they'd all have an important role they're all needed and kind of they all love each other they've, all got, they've got a good friendship and so you know they used to do some pretty criminal things like as in, in terms of trafficking stuff he used to get paid like two thousand bucks to do a short drive so yeah it was actually it was, the hardest part was not him leaving in that oh we're gonna kill you you can't leave it was just that it was leaving like a family you know oh. And also, then after that, it's difficult for someone who's gotten fast money like that to then work a $20 an hour job, you know, where you can just drive for half an hour. Anyway, so that was my friend. He was in a gang. So, you know, gangs do provide a service. Did
1: they find a dead body?
0: (laughs) They didn't find a But he said they had a gun. I was like, what? You had a gun? He goes, yeah, we just used to carry a gun. I was like, why? He goes, well, just in case, like, the cops chased us. We got in trouble. I was like, you know, if you pulled a gun, they would have shot and killed you. <laughs> you know, they like, also oh. had guns. <laughs> yeah, guns. Anyway, that was a weird story. But no, um, but-, <laughs> but yeah, like, that's that's kind of like, I was like, oh, yeah. When he told me about why he was in the gang, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of good. Maybe you should.
1: And I was like, no, no, that's a gang. Get out of the gang. Yeah.
0: I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so you get out of the gang. I'll tell your dad. And so he got out of the gang. But right,
1: um, My friend was in a, well, not friend, but a former classmate who was so, like, he was so sweet, but... And He ended up in—he's in prison now because uh, he was—he was like the sweetest kid, but he had—he must have had ADHD or something right. where he just couldn't really focus in class, and they did, didn't help him. And he was—he yeah. was Muslim, so there was this animosity right. against him as well. So he was kind of just ostracized from the beginning, and yeah. it was oh, that's probably why he's a bit of a mess. But if they'd just taken all proper care of him, it would have been. Yeah. But anyways, he ended up in a game.
0: Oh no. <laughs> Is so it, he
1: kidnapped... What? ...a guy. He kidnapped a guy because uh, his brother owed him money. And the brother wouldn't pay this money. So he, And it was something like 70 pounds. But it was a principal... Oh.
0: Oh so yeah, it's the principle could, of it. Yeah. Seventy so he pounds.
1: Have, he kidnapped this, his little brother and oh put him in, in like the bicycle shed. We had this where where I grew up. There was this like very secluded bicycle shed <laughs> thing where everyone had each their own little shed. So he put him in there. Oh my! But then he felt so bad that he bought him like two huge family sized pizzas a day. <laughs> ended up spending way more than the seventy oh pounds. Oh my!
0: <laughs> it's like the opposite of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he fell in love with the captive. <laughs>
1: the <laughs> what Oslo the? Symbol. So he felt so bad. Just like really took so care of this kid and I was like, really felt bad for him. He <laughs> spent like a
0: hundred pounds a night.
1: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in jail. But it's like, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, he is genuinely a good guy. That's quite nice. And, like, give him a slap on the wrist. So like, what happened to him? <laughs> He's in jail. What? Yeah. But it was, it was just the school, like like where they went was just. He went to jail
0: for that? Hmm? How, so he went to jail for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> how long did
0: he kidnap this kid?
1: I think it was a week. I think it was seven days or something.
0: Oh, did, did the kid testify in his favor? <laughs> was like, No, he's actually really nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. Like, Let, him Let him go. I have a home. Because <laughs> I would have had to cross-examine all that evidence. And then on day two, what yeah, did he feed Hawaiian, you? Then
1: <laughs> uh, three, Balinese. Great. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a great guy. He's sure you want to <laughs> sure press charges. <laughs>
0: I've got a friend that also kidnapped someone. And I didn't know he, he's got this psycho side to, I really should know. He's he's in the community and he's the CEO of a large company. Uh, and he's, he's only a few years older than him. He's, he's just crazy successful. But he's also got this personality that I didn't really know exists. So basically, he's a really, really nice guy. He does a lot of community work. But then he said his friends played a prank on him. And this is his... Way of this is really horrible anyway so him and his friend kidnapped this guy they put Balaclavas on they put him in the back of their car and they drove him to Ballarat which is just like gold mining town from the, you know from far away from Melbourne and uh, they took him out of the car and they go hey, walk and this guy was walking and he didn't know what was going on he was gagged and had his hands up. so he was walking into the like the bush and then they go here's a shovel dig made him dig his own grave the guy was crying out to his mum get in. So he was standing in his own grave. And then they go, it's us. Ha ha ha. I mean, that is horrible. What is wrong with
1: the people? I don't know. You know. I don't know. What I know. Is I'm wrong scared with to not
0: people. know him anymore in case he's like, why aren't you my friend anymore? <laughs> Drive. <laughs> Dig. Anyway. But apart from that, he's a real nice guy. The thing is, like, it's. Um, <laughs>
1: It's, it's really, really nice. This is how nice it goes. Nice. I told
0: him my mum because he's quite loaded, he lives in Abu Dhabi now. And I said, Oh, my parents, um, they're stopping through Abu Dhabi on the way to Sri Lanka. They were going and they're like he goes, Oh, what date? And I said, Um, this date and you know, he goes, Oh, have they organised hotel I was like, No, I'm gonna organise I just give some tips. He then organised two nights accommodation at like the palace thing, this oh. tour into the desert and stuff. Took him out Did for they dinner, have to
1: dig no, <laughs>
0: but he was like the nicest guy. So it's like, on the one hand, he kidnaps his friends and <laughs> makes them dig their own shallow graves, crying out for their parents. But on the other hand, he you know he treats your parents like <laughs> the most amazing weekend away. So it was, he's just a nice guy. You can't judge all gangsters. That's what I've learned in life. <laughs>
1: and and that's is the, the episode title. <laughs> You can't, judge you can't all just like all <laughs> gangsters <laughs> witnessing him saying <laughs> that leads... Uh, well, not at all. But it, it will have to go to the last question. <laughs> not at all. Does not at all lead into that. But um, so the last question I always ask is um, you're in the delivery room oh. and you're holding yourself as a little baby. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding me. You're teeny tiny in the same. Teeny tiny the same. And he... This
0: is so is weird. He's
1: crying because there's lights and sounds everywhere and he just came out of the room and it's all very terrifying and you know that the next 31 32 mm. whether or not you trust wikipedia <laughs> years of his life you know what they're going to be like you know there will be times of mm. stuff that's terrifying be it lighter sounds or something worse uh maybe <laughs> having to chase a guy down an alley <laughs> losing your yoga.
0: trust the yogurt <laughs> trust
1: the yoga. so you get to say something so teeny tiny in mm. the
0: I mean, maybe, he doesn't really maybe, understand maybe. how to talk.
1: Yeah, it, 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 the theory does. The theory does. <laughs> um, um, you get to say something. You can't change the future. You can't change anything that will mm. happen, but you can say something that might mm. cheer him up a bit or calm him down a bit.
0: Well, um, well this is a really weird scenario, but it's a nice one. I, uh, yeah. It's weird though. I'm holding myself. <laughs> what is it if I drop me? <laughs> what yeah. happens to me? Yeah, you probably
1: would. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, oh, I'll just say, look, mate, just, you know, it's – um. Just, tr- just tr- trust yourself. Try to listen to yourself and to those loved ones around you. And uh, just, you know, if, if dodgy stuff happens, it just, you know, it, it goes away. And just try, just try and laugh. Have, a, have a good time. Um, but you know, care more about the people that care about you than than people who just don't. I think is probably the big one. And uh, yeah, when your friend asks you to borrow some money. <laughs> don't give him the card. Um, yeah, you know, just, just have a lot you'll be right. You'll, you'll be good. It all it's all it's all pretty fun actually. You know, it's all it's, all, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and listen to Sophie's podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that.
1: <laughs> I did not ask him to say that. <laughs> I am wearing about a cover and I'm holding a gun to his head. Are, are any of those things things you still need to be told?
0: Uh, yeah, probably all the time, you know. Um, to remember to laugh, uh, to you know to to to, I think it's easier when you, well people you know that are close to you talk to you and give you advice. Sometimes you can just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I take you for granted. I listen to someone else. You know, I think we're naturally we're we're always about trying to impress other people in life. Sometimes you know, new people and whatever. But they ultimately don't matter as much as the people closest to you. So I think if you look after those close to you and, and and look after people who look after you, well then that's really all that matters. And um, you know, just just be true to yourself and. You know, if you're true to yourself, I think you'll be happiest, you know, because I think uh, ultimately yourself, you, we are all good individuals. So if you can just listen to yourself <clears throat> be true to what that is inside, then you'll be good. You'll be right. right. You'll be right, mate. It's all very bloody earnest. You know, as a comedian, my instinct is to just go, what's a joke here? I've got nothing. <laughs> I have a craving for yoga. Um... <laughs> See, there I go. <laughs> there it, there there it go. is. There
1: it and is. There we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking. Woo! Uh, where can people find
0: you? Uh, well, just um, uh, just have me on social media, I guess, and uh, send me send me messages. Nice ones, please. Uh, or just, yeah, yeah, or NazeemHussain.com, actually. I never really plugged the website. We've got a website, NazeemHussain.com. straight for the address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, social media or just, you know, comment on Sophie's posts and I'll be looking for all of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's very honest yeah <laughs> thank you so much for doing this thanks thanks for having me hello this is katie brand i'm doing my new show i could have been an astronaut at the soho theater from the 19th to the 23rd of september so come along it's about ambition destiny Gender conditioning, space, and maths, uh, which I know very little about. So think of it like a sort of TED talk by someone who knows almost nothing about the subject. Um, But uh, I hope it'll be fun. So come and see it. Thank you so much for listening. I, you know, I love doing this podcast, and uh, one of the ways you can help is why not tweet the guest. Find the, the guest on Twitter, tweet the guest, and let them know that they're awesome and that they're incredible. A lot of the guests that I get on this podcast are people who <laughs> receive fair, a fair great deal of um, their, can't do languages anymore. What's the word? Who get their fair share. That's the word. Who get their fair share of internet abuse. So it's just a really lovely thing that you already kind of do, which is just you tweet them and say, you were great on the podcast. And then you can tag the podcast. P-O-D-M-O-H if you want. So if uh, you can do that, again, I know I keep going on about this, but share this, share the podcast, five-star rating on iTunes or what, on whatever app you use. It does help an awful lot. But you know what also helps? Funny you should ask, uh, money. Sorry, I don't know. It's awkward asking for money, Um, even though I'm Danish and we don't really have the same kind of odd politeness about money, but... To be fair, it really, really helps. Um, it's a lot of time, a lot of all of that. But you know the you know the spiel, and like I'm a professional salesman. Like I, before I started doing comedy, even comedy is some kind of is like a selling thing. And I used to be quite good at fundraising when I lived in Denmark and worked in Denmark. And what I, I think what I'm trying to say is, I can totally guilt you into into supporting it. I can. I can easily tell you, you know, how little this money will matter to you and how much it'll matter to me and you won't notice it's gone. Blah, 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 blah. I have all the techniques up my sleeve, but I also don't want it to have like a like an atmosphere of begging or guilt or it, it shouldn't be any negative feelings. So, I think I'm just saying this so that when you listen right now, wherever if you're in your car, if you're doing your shopping, if you're cooking or running or whatever it is, if you can afford to help me out and support this podcast, which I think is rather good, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, if you can do that, then um, please do. In this new year, we <laughs> and it is a new year because it's after Edinburgh's so another new year has started, uh, I'm going to try and experiment with some live shows and that's going to be quite exciting. Again, it'll cost a bit and take up a lot of energy and time, et cetera. What I'm trying to say is, please donate. Please give me some money. <laughs> Use um, You can give one-off donations on madeofhumanpodcast.com, but you can also go to patreon.com, which is like my favorite thing, p-r-t-r-e-o-n.com, forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, where you can uh, donate however much you want per episode, and you have to decide in dollars who knows what that is, right? Just give 10. 10 is good. Because um, if you give more than $5 per episode, You get a shout-out at the end of the podcast, meaning I will destroy your name. Here we go. As of day's date, these are the people who are friends of the podcast, to whom I am eternally grateful, whose names I will never forget. Please join me in thanking... Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Ringrith, Victoria Greer, Marnie Biles, Phil Vapalas, Olivia Hove, Rachel Furley, Zoe Cumberland, Maria Mrs. Joe C., Elizabeth Staplemore, Vivian Riddick, uh, Kirsten Davidson, Purdy Patterson, Stephery, Murray Fraser, Ruth Harvey, Jane Young, Dan Smith, Jillian Brady, Bethany Dahlstrom, and Bangle, Katie Hatfield, Robin Capper, James Frew, Heron Threthaway Russell Hughes, Ida Sugo Larsen, Lucy, Inger Ellingson, Maddie Searle, Caleb Melcour, <laughs> Dr. Bode Cycle Returns, <laughs> You can choose your own names here, and I can't stop you. Jessica Stuhlfire, Meg, Emma Chan, Sylvia Nova, Kathy Beveridge, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Grace Suter, Cat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, Eleanor, uh, Sarah Ferrera, Ike Sid, Cherie Dunphy, and Daniel Rifersheed. <sighs> remember to breathe, guys. Always remember to breathe. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Sarah Garvey for producing this episode, Bailey Leonard for writing and recording the jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. Thank you for listening. I'll speak to you next Wednesday. Bye!